Today's scripture comes from Matthew 6, 19 to 24. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the word of the Lord. At first, when uh, Pastor Susang asked me to come and speak, I was like, oh, I, I can't, you know, I'm the only pastor in my church, and if I come speak, nobody's there. And he goes, well, we meet in the afternoon. I was like, oh, all right, guess I'm there. <laughs> I'll be there. Uh, but it was uh, my pleasure to come and be able to share God's word with you today. I got to know Pastor Susang recently over the past, uh, I don't know, year or so. Actually, we also were officing, Renewal Church was officing here in Trinity as well, because as you know, Trinity has such a huge heart for helping out other churches and church plants. And so we were also here. I was in an office as well uh, for a little while, and I rent space from them too for various functions and different things. So I got to know Pastor Susang, and I really enjoyed fellowship with him, getting to know him. I also meet with him and Pastor Joel and a couple other pastors regularly once a month here. That's something Pastor Joel started and just been blessed and um, really respect Pastor Susong. Uh, he really, you know, he knows the word of God. He is uh, so thoughtful and trying to build such a healthy church here in Revive Presbyterian Church. So, um, man, you guys are really blessed to have a pastor like him and as well as the other staff here, I'm sure, that I, I don't know as well. But um, if they're anything like Pastor Susang, then uh, you guys are really, really blessed, and I hope you're praying for them regularly. As Pastor Young said, I am I'm sharing today about money, and I did not know that this was the day of the month that you guys talk about money. I promise you, Pastor Susang did not say, hey, go talk about money while I'm gone, because I feel weird talking about it. You know, and that one of those things you send in somebody else to talk about money because you don't want to talk about it. It wasn't anything like that at all. But um, I, I'm talking about money because uh, in the Bible, in terms of the things that Jesus talks about, money seems like the second most popular thing he talks about aside from the kingdom of God. So beside the kingdom of God in general, he talks about money, he talks about finances a ton. So if Jesus talked about it a lot, um, we should talk about it as well. And the reason I'm talking about it today, and especially I think it's pertinent here in the Bay Area is because we live in a place with such incredible wealth around us, don't we? This is a place with such incredible wealth. Now, I don't have any of that wealth, but that also matters because for me, it's a place that has an incredibly high cost of living, which is something else that's very real for me and maybe for a lot of you as well. So money can very much be top of the mind in, in many different things. So, I think it's really, really helpful for us to uh, look at what Jesus has to say about that. And I think today's passage is a, is a really, really instructive one. Um, the, our sister already read the whole passage, so I'm just going to read a chunk at a time again. I'll, I'll read 19 through 21 and talk about that a little bit and then move on and then talk about that a little bit and then move on one more time. So let me read this again, verses 19 to 21. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, 
where moth and rust where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So uh, what is Jesus talking about here when he talks about moth and rust? Laying up treasures where moth and rust will not destroy. Why does he bring up moth and rust? Because the wealth that he's talking about in this context is one, metallic, precious metals, gold, silver, things that can corrode, that can rust, um, that can be destroyed over time because of the, the environment of, of ancient Palestine. And also, moth refers to things like clothing, fine garments, which were also a sign of wealth, and that could be eaten up by moths. So these were two of the primary ways that you could be a wealthy person. You could see your wealth in gold and silver, precious metals, and you could see your wealth also in terms of, of clothing and in fine, fine garments. And so he says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where your clothing can be destroyed and where your precious metals can be destroyed, but instead lay up treasure in heaven where it can't be touched by rust and it can't be touched by moth. So what Jesus is setting up here is a binary type situation. He says there are two places, two places that you can invest your finances. It's either here on this earth, in the things of this earth, or it's in heaven laying up your treasures in heaven by investing in the kingdom of God with your finances. And as you do that, you store up wealth in the kingdom of God. You know, when I was um, young, I, I grew up in a uh, Taiwanese-Chinese household. And uh, one thing we would do when I was young, and I didn't really understand what we were doing, but my parents, every once in a while, would grab a walk and they would say, come with me. And I'd be like, okay, what are we doing? And we'd go out to the, the deck, the patio area in the back of our house. I grew up in Queens, in Queens, New York. Anybody here from New York? Okay. Grew up in Queens. And we would go to the back deck of uh, our patio. And they would put this walk on top of like a fire over there. And they would put coals in it. And then they would take out wads of money. And I'd be like, what are we about to do? I was a young kid, and they would take out wads of money, and they would start throwing this money into the fire, burning it. My first thought is, we must be stinking rich. We got so much money, let's burn it. <laughs> let's burn it, right? I was like, man, we, are, we must be loaded. What I didn't realize what was happening, and I don't know if you had a, maybe a, a tradition like this, but for us, they were burning money for our ancestors. And the idea in Chinese culture is that if you burn this money for them, they will be able to receive that money in the afterlife where they are right now so that they will have money to be able to spend in that place, wherever that is, and buy stuff and eat. Chinese people love to eat, eat and, and just enjoy life in the afterlife. So it's important for you to burn money and send it to them. Um, Online, I've seen photos of, of people like in China burning huge fake cars, <laughs> like throwing massive cars into the oven so that I guess their deceased you know, parents or grandparents could drive around in heaven or whatever in a, in, a, in a Mercedes or whatever it was. The idea was that, you know, we need to burn this stuff and we're sending it to them so that they could have stuff in the afterlife. It's the idea is that we can, we can take things 
from here and bring it to there. That's our perspective. That's what we think that we can do. And that's the temptation for us as Christians as well, isn't it? That, you know, there are things that, the mentality that we have that we don't really realize is that we think that the things that we have here, that we pursue here in terms of money and finances, that it will kind of last forever. <laughs> that we will be able to take it with us in some way into the future. But we don't think about investing in the kingdom of God and laying up treasure in heaven. The reality is we can't take anything from this world, this life with us. Our houses, our cars, our money, your cryptocurrency, none of that stuff, we can't take any of it with us into the new heavens and the new earth. The only thing we can take with us are the things that we do for the kingdom of God. And we receive those in the form of heavenly reward. Uh, John Ortberg, former pastor of Menlo Church, right here in our backyard, he wrote a book called, When the Game is Over, It All Goes Back in the Box. And, and he used the illustration of Monopoly. And I, and I love this illustration. He said, you could play Monopoly, and you can, you can build houses, you can build hotels, you can be a baller in Monopoly. You can own all, you can, the blues, the greens, Heck, you, you can even own the railroads, right? Who wants the railroads? You can own all four railroads. You can have a stack of cash this high, impenetrable fortress. When people rent you, you just laugh. You just laugh at them, right? Because you're a baller. You're a boss. You've accumulated all this wealth. But when the game is over, everything goes back in the box. Everything goes back in the box. You can't keep any of it for the next game. You can't take any of it with you. It all goes back in the box. And I think that's a great illustration of what it will be like when this life is over. We will not be able to take any of our finances, any of our money, any of our real estate, any of those things with us into the new heavens and the new earth. I think this is why Jim Elliott, the missionary to the um, uh, Aachen Native Americans down in Ecuador, who went there as a missionary, and died at the hands of the natives there, he said this. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I love that quote. You know, when I was uh, working in finance, that was my first job uh, out of college, and I majored in finance when I was in college, one principle that they taught you was something called rebalancing. A very important principle was rebalancing. And what that means is you may be invested in stocks and in bonds and in real estate and all these different things. And then let's say during the year, your stocks do really well, your bonds don't do that well, and suddenly you have a lot more invested in stocks percentage-wise than you do in bonds. What you should do at the end of every year is take a look at where you're invested now at the end of that year and then rebalance. Maybe you got too much in stock now, and you just sell some of that and put some of it in bonds. Maybe you have too much in Bitcoin. You sell some of that, and then you buy some real estate or something, and you rebalance. You take a look at your portfolio. And I think that's a really important thing for us to do as Christians, to consider what are we doing with the things that God has entrusted to us in this world and in this life? What are we investing them in? Because Jesus said, 
where your, in verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, what does he mean by that? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I think there's a couple of ways to think about this. One way to think about, is, about it is this. You know, if you invest all your money in one place, you're really going to care about that. For example, let me illustrate. If I give you $10 million in Tesla stock, you may not have cared at all about what the price of Tesla was the past week or even right now. But if I gave you $10 million in Tesla stock, would you start caring about it? You absolutely would. You would start checking it every day. You'd set up alerts on your phone. You'd probably check it multiple times a day. You start thinking, do I sell it now? Is it high? Is it low? What do I do? If I sell it now within a year, I'm going to have short-term capital gains. Should I hold it longer for a year and get long-term capital gains? What should I do? You would suddenly care a tremendous amount because you have so much invested there. Now, is that what Jesus means by that? I don't think that's what he means because there are many people who can give significant amounts to the church. They can give big offerings but their hearts are not in it. The Pharisees, they tithed even out of the herbs in their garden. But Jesus said, their hearts are far from me. So what, is, what does Jesus mean by that then? I think what Jesus is saying is, wherever you invest your treasure, wherever you invest your money and your finances, what that does is it reveals to you what you really care about. I believe that's what Jesus is saying. It, it, if you want to know what I care about, look at what I invest my money in. Then you'll know what I really value, what's important to me. If you want to know what anybody cares about, what they value about, what they value, take a look at their budget, where they're spending their money, and Jesus is saying that will reveal to you, more than what they say, where their heart is. This is why Jesus talked about money so much because it was such a revealer of where our, house, where our hearts are. What Jesus is really saying, in a sense, is show me the money. Show me where you spend it, and I will show you where your heart is. Now, this doesn't necessarily just have to be where you literally spend your money, but it's also related to things like how you choose your job or career. That's related as well. For example, maybe you have two choices that you can make. Job A, you can make a good amount of money, but you know that you're not going to be able to faithfully serve God because of the amount of work and time that's going to be required and the lifestyle that's going to be required. Job B, you're taking a pay cut, but you know that you will be able to be faithful to God and live out the calling that God has for you without compromise. Which one would you choose? That decision also reveals where our heart is. Are you generous to those who have less or are you tight-fisted? What about what you're teaching your kids? What's important? What to value? Do you look no different than the people around you in terms of just trying to set up your kids for success according to this world's metrics of finances and wealth and belongings? I think what Jesus is saying is wherever you invest your money and how you make decisions related to money, that the buck stops there, brothers and sisters. 
you could say whatever you want. You could show up in church. You could sit in the pews. You could, you could raise your hands during worship. You could do whatever you want. But Jesus is saying, where you invest, the decisions you make about money, that reveals where your heart is. And I think that that calls for a lot of introspection on our part. Now, he goes on here in verses 22 and 23 to say something really interesting. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now, what is Jesus talking about here when he says the eye is the lamp of the body? Now, we, we know here that the context is still about money and finances. How do we know that? Because later on in verses 24, in 24, we see that he goes back to the topic of you can't serve both God and money. So sandwiched in between is this passage on the eye is the lamp of the body. So we know that the context here is also about finance. Whenever Jesus does that, when the Bible does that, when they sandwich something and there's something in the middle that you're like, you don't know what it is, like mystery meat, what is that? It's probably related to the bun on top and the bun on the bottom, right? So 19 through 21 is talking about money. 24 is talking about money. 22 through 23 is probably talking about money as well. But how so? What's going on here? What is, what is the eye? Why is it the lamp of the body? Now, what Jesus is talking about, what I believe he's talking about is this. Your eye, what it represents is focus. That's what it represents. Your eye. It represents focus. What are you looking at? What are you focused on? That's whatever you're looking at, he's talking about their focus. And the question is, are you focused on earthly treasure or are you focused on heavenly treasure? The question is, which one is it that you are focused on? And what he's saying here is that your eye is the lamp of your body. So if you are focused on the right thing, on heavenly treasure, on laying up treasure in heaven, then your body will be filled with light. That he, that's what he's saying. But if your focus is on money, wealth, material possessions, the houses, the cars, the vacations, and just comfort, a life of comfort, if that's your focus, if that's what you want, then your body will be filled with darkness because your focus is bad. Your focus is off. And now he says something really strange here, very interesting. He says this. He said, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be filled, with dark, filled of darkness. And then he says, if then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? What is he talking about there? If the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? What are you talking about, Jesus? I mean, if, if, if it's already darkness, what do you mean how great is the darkness? It's like so dark? What does that mean? If my focus is wrong, the light in me is darkness, but how great is the darkness? I think to understand what Jesus is saying here, I'm going to jump one chapter earlier to chapter 5, verse 14, and he says this there, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. 
A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So what, when we connect these two things here, Jesus is saying, you, Christian, you are the light of the world. This world is a place filled with darkness, a place filled with brokenness, a place filled with people pursuing uh, not God, but sin, wanting to live as their own lords, as their own kings. This world is a dark, dark place. But you, Christian, you are to be the light in this world. That's what I've done. When you believed in Jesus and the Holy Spirit is within you, you are called to shine the light to this world. But brothers and sisters, what Jesus is saying is if we are the light of the world, but our focus gets caught on material possessions and the light within us becomes darkness, woe be to this society. Because the only light in this world will be snuffed out. Jesus is saying, if you, you are the only light in this world. And if you lose focus because of material things, because of pursuing what everybody else is pursuing, how great will the darkness in this world be, brothers and sisters? We are like a, a lighthouse. And there are ships out there in the sea, people who don't know Christ, and it's midnight, and it's pitch black, and there's a storm, and there are rocks out there, and they're approaching land. And if that lighthouse goes out, man, how great is that darkness? Brothers and sisters, there is too much at stake for us to lose our focus and get caught up and swept up in what everybody else is pursuing here in Silicon Valley. Because you're the only light. It's me, it's you if you're a believer, we're it. And if we lose focus, there's no hope here. Brothers and sisters, some of you, you, you may be the only Christian in your workplace. You may be the only Christian on your team at work. And if you lose focus, your team has no hope of hearing the gospel or seeing what life in Christ is all about. You may be the, the only one out of your family who is a believer. And if you lose focus, your family has no opportunity to see the light of Christ. You may be the only Christian amongst a certain group of friends that you have. And if we sell out to what everybody else is chasing in the world, man, what darkness your group of friends will be in. Brothers and sisters, there is too much at stake for us to lose focus. But it's hard. I get that. I get these Redfin alerts in my email. I don't know why I get these alerts, because they're just depressing. <laughs> Every time I look at them, I, I, I try to kind of like unsubscribe or change it. They, they won't let me. They won't let me. But then I click it to look, because I want to look. And then I, I get depressed. And, and I'll tell you, like, when I, when I was living in New York City, I was like, oh my gosh, this place is so expensive. Oh man, Manhattan, this is crazy. Oh, I'm going to move and plant a church out in California. Oh, wow, finally, I get to buy a house. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I laugh, or you know why I'm laughing now. 
I came out here, I'm like, what are city prices doing in the suburbs? This is ridiculous. And I found myself for a while getting these alerts, looking at these things and, and, and getting caught up and thinking, God, not God, but how do I buy a house? <laughs> what do I do? What do I have to do to be able to buy a house out here? How do I hustle this? <laughs> how, do I, how do I make this happen? Crypto, that's the only way. <laughs> Crypto, Dogecoin, something. I just, I don't want to be a millionaire. I just want to have, no, I do need to be a millionaire to buy a house. No, I just, just want to buy a house. And I found my heart, I was getting distracted. I was, I was losing focus because I was like, God, just, just, I just want a house. That's all I want. I found myself losing focus. It's so easy to lose focus. Parents, when, when your other parent friends who don't know the Lord do they see anything different about the values that we're instilling in our kids? My daughter is going to be in eighth grade next year. My son's going to be in, in fifth grade. I got kids too. Do they see any difference between the way that we raise our kids and the values we instill in them and what they instill in them? Or when they look at us, do they say there's nothing different about you and me? You just want your kid to get into that Ivy League school, get a great job, have a comfortable life. I don't see any difference in you. Man, that's, that's darkness. There's no light shining there. Jesus talks about this because there is so much at stake. And the devil understands that. And his goal is not to show up in your bedroom at night with like red horns and a pitchfork and try to scare you out of following Jesus. That's not going to work. I would be scared to Jesus. <laughs> if he did that, I'd be like, okay, I really believe now i got to become a prayer warrior now because I'm really scared now. He doesn't do that. He's much smarter than that. He subtly wants your eye to look around you instead of at him and to begin focusing elsewhere to lose focus, and then it becomes dim, and then it becomes dark, and then there is no witness to Christ in this world. You are the light of the world. But man, if we, if the light within us is darkness, how great is that darkness? Lastly here in verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You know, going back to my finance days again, you know, this really tempting to think, just like in finance, I can diversify my portfolio with God. You know, I'll, I'll serve a little bit, put a little bit, I'll, I'll tithe, I'll do some of that and put something in the kingdom of heaven, kind of like an IRA, but I'll also invest a lot in this world. And I, and I'm, I just want to have it both ways. That's what we are tempted to do, to have it both ways. But Jesus is saying, you can't do that. You can't serve both God and money. It's a binary decision because if you try to serve both, you inevitably only serve one. And we know which one that is. We end up serving money. The people in Jesus' days, they understood this very clearly when he said a slave can't have two masters. You can't be like, I'm going to be a bondservant to this guy Monday through Thursday and then do you mind if I take Friday, Saturday, and Sunday off and go to this other master and serve him? You can't do that. Everybody understood right away what Jesus is talking about. It's one or the other. 
we don't really get that because we're like, you know, we don't have indentured servitude here in the Bay Area. You know, that's, you know, you may feel like a slave to your boss, but you're not really, right? You have your weekends. You can do a side hustle. You can work another job. It's, it's, it's difficult for us to understand this, but for them, right away, they understood. You can't have it both ways. It's one or the other. Pastor and author Ben Patterson, he said, there's no such thing as being right with God and wrong with money. Brothers and sisters, if you have put your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit who is within you, who is greater than the one in the world, who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, is at work in us so that you do not have to be a slave to what everybody else is pursuing in this world, but you can live a life that is singly focused on Jesus Christ. And when you live that way, you shine so brightly in the midst of this dark place that we are in. So can I give you a couple of practical things here? First is to take inventory. Take inventory. How are you investing your finances? Because it reveals where your heart is. How are you investing your time? It reveals where your heart is. What are you teaching your kids? The values that you're instilling in them. It reveals where your heart is. And secondly, to pray to the Holy Spirit that the one who raised Jesus from the dead and is at work within you will help you to worship God with single-minded devotion and to break free from the love of the world that is all around us through the power of God. Let's pray together. God, we come before you this afternoon, Lord, and I pray, God, that you would help all of us, myself included, to realize, to feel the gravity of our situation. We are the only lights in this world. Some of us are the only lights in our family. Some of us is, are the only lights in our team at work, in our class at school. We're the only ones. And all those people around us, God, their only chance of seeing Christ, of seeing the gospel, lies in seeing it within us, within me, within my brothers and sisters here. So Lord, we pray, help us, God. Help us to feel and to know how much is at stake and to pray for our hearts that we would be focused upon you. Single-minded devotion upon you, O oh God. So we bring our hearts before you this day and we ask that you would help us to fall in love with you again and to realize the greatness of the riches of treasure in heaven and to long to be rewarded by our God and to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that in a place like Silicon Valley that is so in love with money and comfort that we have the opportunity to be so different through the way that we live. Would you empower my brothers and sisters and revive to be in love with you and to shine the light brightly in their places of work, in their schools, in their homes. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.